0: D20 Radio, your gamers role. wwwd 20 radiocom
1: Welcome to me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience.
0: Welcome back to me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello. And we're going to talk about some RPGs. But before we get into that, we got to talk about our podcast for the week. Our podcast for the week is from your friend and mine, GM Huli and GM Chris. The Forge. Woohoo! The Forge. Everything and anything you could ever want about Genesis RPG. You got to get that from The Forge. Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah. Those guys are... are Wealths of knowledge when it comes to that system. Mm-hmm.
1: I happen to know that as we're talking, they have at least one episode in the can, just may not be quite edited, but being as we're like a week or two ahead of time, it might, yeah, be, out it might be by the I'll, time you hear this, you know, might not or be. Or you'll be knows.
0: hearing, or they'll drop an episode that, you know, they recorded three years ago at this point.
1: Well, time is upside down in Australia, so
0: yeah, time is upside down for those two, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, it's a you great know, show.
0: It is. It's a great show, great resource, a um, couple of great people. So mm-hmm. if you haven't yet and you're thinking about it, go check out The Forge. And
1: There'll be a link in the show note to their main page.
0: Yeah. Because I don't always.
1: remember what the address is because I just go to the D20 podcast page and click on the link there.
0: I just message Huli and ask him if he's got a new episode out. That's what I do. Well, that too, yeah. Hey, what's your new episode on? <laughs> <laughs> and he'll say some something like... Uh, Shrimp on the Bobby, and I'll be like, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> hang on, let me put down
1: my faucet.
0: Yeah, let me put down my faucet. I don't know why I go to Boston, I can't do yeah, you know,
1: especially not impromptu.
0: <laughs> no, man, he's gonna get us for that. <laughs>
1: it's all right, it's all good fun,
0: it's all good poking fun, anyways. This week, uh, no shocker to anybody, I was on TikTok.
1: How many hours did you mysteriously lose into the the void of TikTok
0: this week? Oh God, oh, don't ask me that. I don't know. <laughs> I could look. My phone tracks that stuff. I don't. I honestly don't know. I think like too many. It's practically <laughs> yeah. become a job. But I don't post anything. I just creep. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, TikTok's weird. Like it's a void. It's like a pit of of just you could just fall down this rabbit hole sometimes of just watching whatever. Well, I finally installed
1: it. Mostly because you were pestering me about it. Yeah, but like it, 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 and there's just there's, I mean, there's a lot of crap on there, but yeah. there's some genuinely entertaining, interesting stuff too.
0: Yeah, I guess and it's there's like some, pretty
1: much the rest of the internet.
0: There's some genuinely good creators on there, uh, like the one I'm going to talk about today. The guy's name uh, on TikTok is Matt Stormcrow. I've okay. talked about him before. I really love his stuff. He is. um... I'd love to reach out to speak with them regarding Vampire the Masquerade,
2: mm-hmm. because
0: Matt knows his knows their stuff like inside, outside and backward.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: but what I was going to say is somebody in the comments section came into one of their videos and said about uh, if you, so, there was a little bit of discourse going on around D&D and and um, telling players no. And somebody came into their their comment section and basically said. It's gatekeeping if you tell your players, no, you can't do that if they're trying to be if they're trying to optimize the system. And everybody was like, so what you're saying is, is that the GM can't be a player and has to suck it up. And this person just kept doubling down and doubling down. And I just think it's funny. You know, we we never really officially talked about the GM as a player. And that sort of kicked it into my brain that. Some people have this mindset that the the game master, the dungeon master, has to be subservient to the players, essentially, right? Yeah. Some people have it in their mind that that's the way it should be, and I think that's a little bit backwards from how I always thought about it. And maybe because I maybe because I switch hit it it changes my opinion of that because I can go from being a player to a GM to a player again because I am. Have the luxury of having groups that can do that. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the people that never GM just think that the game masters are only there for, like, their only fun is. I don't know. I don't. I I half wonder if some of those people don't think the GMs are having fun. And if your GM's not having fun, I think you have a bigger problem. You need to have a conversation about that.
1: Yeah. Now I think. See, for me coming in in the late nineties, a lot of it. If anything, it was more that as a player, you were playing in the GM's game. But I think, you know, some of that could have been just the way I understood it. I don't know that it was ever expressly stated that way. But also, you know, that was at the beginning of a movement towards a lot more narratively focused stuff. So I think that was, you know, because that was when... You know, Vampire had just come out, and and whatnot. So, you know, there was a, a shift going on. You know, to where, it, but at the same point, like, you know, there's always a the, well. It's your story. You know, we'll do what fits your story. And and look, I mean, if you play either of the ways that we've mentioned at your table, and your table enjoys it, good for you. But I think what we've seen, you know, and then kind of been our experience and it's much more a trend now is that it's, it's a very
0: cooperative thing. Yeah. I think, I think that's kind of changed a little bit because I, you know, as somebody who's played a lot of AD and D, I can tell you that back in AD and D days, it was very much supposed to be an adversarial setup where it's the GM versus the players. Right. The GM is trying to kill the players. That was, that was the stated goal in a lot of AD and D literature. Also, want to talk about something else maybe later regarding AD and D. I, I watched. Uh, I'm not a fan of it, but I watched the first episode of the new season of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and they did a thing that I was like very upset with. But anyways, <laughs> um, because my girlfriend's sitting there. Because okay. If you haven't watched any Stranger Things, part of the crux of that story is that it's a bunch of friends playing D&D.
1: Right, right. I've watched part of the first season. I haven't gotten around to the rest of it yet. I'll just tangent now because screw
0: it. I'll come back to what I was going to say at the beginning of the new season. And this is no spoilers at all, because it's literally the first episode. I'm not going to spoil anything that happens in the show, but I'll tell you what happens in the D&D game. At least we open the beginning of the new season with them playing the cult of Vecna do you remember the Cult of Vecna pre-written campaign?
1: I don't remember it per se, but...
0: um, So the Cult of Vecna is, is not super popular, but it is kind of a... I mean, it wasn't uncommon. I, I remember hearing about the Cult of Vecna mm-hmm. and it being a big thing. Well, they spoiled the ending to it. I mean,
1: you are talking about something that is at this point 30 years old.
0: Right, plus. but also Hasbro and Wizards are are the kings of of reprinting old stuff and acting shocked when people were like spoiling it. Like when Strahd came out, everybody was like talking about Strahd and Hasbro was like, Oh, no, no, don't, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Like this is a campaign that's been coming out for like 30 plus years. <laughs> like this, this same story. I have it in every edition previous. Fair. But the call to Vecna is not one that they've reprinted. I don't think they've reprinted it for four and I don't think they've reprinted it for five. Mm-hmm. and they just decided apparently it's not worth worrying about spoilers but it's like this is like the big climactic thing at the end of the campaign that makes the cult of vecta such a fun thing to run but whatever that's a tangent anyways um where i was going is is uh yeah D and at it's at its base conceit when it was and D was players versus dungeon master who wins The Dungeon Master was very much trying to kill the players. Players were very much trying to kill everything the Dungeon Master could throw at them. Mm -hmm. And that's how you quote unquote won Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. If your party survived, it was sort of like a Call of Cthulhu game. If your party survived unscathed, or at least relatively unscathed, you won the game, which Mm -hmm. is kind of what happens in in like Call of Cthulhu. Like if you get out of there not insane. Yeah, in a way. Making it to the rubber room is winning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just just getting out of the mansion to the rubber room. That's a safe. That's a win. <laughs> but that's an old mindset of of that player versus, and that's changed even in in second edition, third edition, all of the other games that have come out in between there. More storytelling based games. Everything's changed that mindset. There are games out there that yes, they still exist where it's the players versus the GM, but for the vast majority of games, it's become a collaborative storytelling thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I think some of that though is there's also I think been a shift in as opposed to players versus GM, I think in some cases it's become a little more player versus the world or players versus the world, which is kind of the same thing because the GM is arbitrating the world. But, you know, in that classic D&D dungeon crawl mindset, it was devious traps and, and creatures that required specific tactics to fight and etc. And that, I think, is, is some of what we've seen diminish.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's, I think there's a place for that. Oh, it, it can be fun. But I don't want a steady diet of that. Yeah, no, I I don't want a steady diet of that either. I need some, I need some uh, substance. I, I was trying to find the word there. I need some, I need some, a little bit of character in there mixed in, not just constant dungeon crawls, which a lot of that AD&D stuff was.
1: Yeah. And I think too, it's become a little bit of a thing too, is, is to, you know, when you're GMing, like, you know, if you think about it, why do all these monsters just live in the dungeon? And what do they do in the times when there aren't adventurers there? They're like They just hang out and sit there and go, um, hmm, no footsteps for 35 days. You know, do they, I mean, do they play cards? I don't know.
0: They sit there and play cards and go fish. No, you go there, fish. There's
1: a fun concept for you. Yeah, an old school dungeon sometime and, Every time you walk into the room, you break up a card game or
0: something. You know, what I mean? <laughs> just, you realize this isn't a dungeon; it's a gambling den. <laughs> well,
1: was it that you brought it up for Game of the Week? Something about Dungeon Local, something or other.
0: Oh yeah, Dungeon Local 001. Yeah, yeah, I. I that was sort of them building the dungeon. Um, there's a couple games like that 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 are them building the dungeon.
1: Mm-hmm. But like I. I think the idea that you know gradually over time, well, we realize that that's and and here's an, a thought. is another reason maybe some of that's come about is with the advances in video game technology. And now we're we're past the point where that can happen. But in the early days of video games, it was very what do you want to say? It was it was much easier to build that type of game in a video game. And so you can get that fixed that way. And so we want a different experience from when we're playing at the table.
0: Right. Very much so.
1: I don't know if that's actually kind of what happened or if it just kind of
0: coincided that way, but I I couldn't tell you. And I think another thing, and people can be, you know, you can come at me, whatever. I never, I never thought to, or had the drive to ever play or ever pay a GM to play a game. Mm-hmm. and I've seen it in both local comic shops now and talked to people about it, and, you know, Justin from Terrible Warriors talked about that, mm-hmm. that getting paid to Dungeon Master is now a thing, getting paid to GM is now a thing, and players paying directly to play in your game is also a thing. Mm-hmm. And I've never encountered that, and so some of that, I think... If I was, I don't think I would have such a welcoming mindset if I was paying a GM to play in their game. Does that make sense? I would feel like I'm paying for a service. Yeah. See, I, and I think it would taint, like, I think it would taint your formative years as far as playing the game. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I, do you understand where I'm driving at? It definitely for me wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's something about there's something about making friends in this hobby.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, like what Justin mentioned that he's done was, at least for the most part, what he was doing was he was actually working for a restaurant.
0: Right. And that's a little different. Yeah. That's a little different than what, like, I'm not going to put anybody on blast. It's fine. If you do this, that's great. I got invited to a Star Wars server that all they do is play Star Wars RPG, and to join a lot of those games, it was like, well, it's 10 bucks, and then it's $2 a month to keep playing. It's like, I don't necessarily have the drive or the want to pay you to play this. Like, if I want to play Star Wars, I'm just going to try and reach out to friends and be like, let's play Star Wars.
1: Yeah. I mean, at 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 that level, I think it might be more of a... Look, this just helps me make sure I get players that keep showing up deal.
0: I guess, but at the same time, I don't know. It's just a game. Like, how do I put this? I guess I understand the logic of trying to take your hobbies and turn them into a career. Because Mm -hmm. God knows I'm trying to do that myself. But at the same time, a lot of those, a lot of the hobby stuff, playing games i never in my wildest thought that i could make money as a gm yeah i guess for
1: me how would i say this if let's say for example a game shop and i don't not saying that i think my skills are at this level but let's say a game shop said oh hey we'll give you you know 20 bucks to come run a session of this on an afternoon or 10 bucks or whatever you know what i'm saying i think I have less of an issue with the concept of getting paid to GM as I do with paying to play.
0: I think I think my biggest that's kind of icky thing is if it's getting paid to GM through a third party, it's a little different. Yeah. I think that's where I was going kind of. Directly going to the players and going to play at my table it's $5. <laughs>
1: Now, let me that's just, a little icky to me. Let me ask you this though and and I'm not d- arguing at all with what you just said, but let's say, and this is kind of going back to the old d and d days where you had all the box set modules and everything right? Well, let's say you got four friends you're playing with or five, whatever, and the module is twenty or twenty five bucks, and you're like, "Look, you guys buy me the module. I'll run it for you. That's even different
0: though, like, yeah, see, like I said you know like I don't that's I don't, a that's a different like that's not me looking at my four friends and going give me five bucks why because i'm here to run the game give me five bucks you know what i mean yeah and i get some of that that it's not friends it's just random people on the internet but it just it i just it just feels yucky Uh, like for example the local game shop what they do is they have a i think it's tuesday nights or something they have a uh A GM that comes in and they run games for brand new players. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand the logic behind it. They charge, I think it's five bucks per session. And what they'll do is they'll walk you through character creation. They show you how to play the game. They teach you tips and tricks. I get that. But at the same time, kind of, how do I put this? Kind of like, I don't know. I feel like you could learn all of those things by A, reading the book. Or be going on YouTube:
1: probably now do you get like, and I don't know what shop you're talking about, nor does it is particularly relevant, but is it a thing where like do you also get like a cheap set of dice?
0: I that, I don't know. You know what I'm that's, saying like I, if you got something out of it, maybe, maybe that's worth it.
1: I mean, what's a set of dice cost? Five, ten bucks?: I haven't yeah, bought an actual bucks. set of like normal dice in a while, so:
0: yeah, ten bucks. I mean, uh, actually. I know exactly what a set of dice cost. I'm going to. This is a visual aid that doesn't play well in audio form. Do you see this? Oh, no, you can't see that. It looks comically blurred out. Hold on. Yes, it does. Um, let me just.
1: Okay, that was weird.
0: All right. Do you see this?
1: Kind of. Let me pop it back to normal size.
0: For the audio listeners, I'm holding up a, a pack of uh, oh, there we just go. polyhedral dice. Oh, yes,
1: the dollar store dice.
0: Yes, dollar twenty-five, baby, love it. <laughs> Chessex, eat your heart out. I got dollar store dice. Now, granted, I haven't opened these, yeah, so I don't know how they are.
1: They're also like, like I'm not a dice goblin, but those are just like an ugly brown.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> just saying, that's all. If I was gonna throw dice at somebody, I'm definitely grabbing dollar store dice and being like, here.
1: But even so, okay even if that's all you're getting for that. It's kind of like, here, come learn to play. You get a set of dice. You know, at that point, you're getting more than... And also, if it's a learn-to-play thing, that's a lot more one-on-one time. That's, you know, you think nothing of paying for a guitar lesson or piano lesson
0: or... Yeah, but this isn't one-on-one sessions. No. This is group sessions, which I guess... I've taken group sessions for guitar too, but usually those aren't paid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, it just, I understand. So again, that's that third party thing where like the game stores orchestrating the whole thing, Mm -hmm. right? The GM's getting paid for the time that they're there. The GM or the, the game stores mitigating the money that's being paid out, right? Like they take a cut, they give a cut to the GM, right? That's sort of, again, okay. But the, 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 just, online culture of giving money to play in my game kind of throws me off a bit
1: i I wouldn't say i'm a fan by any stretch but at the same point like hey you know if it works for you it works for you i mean because let's be honest there is time involved at least with traditional system there's you know and running online you know if you've got a, a real good vtt setup you i'm sure had to spend some time you know, even if it's just collecting the various maps, tokens, et cetera, from around the game and getting everything all compiled into there, I, I'm an idiot when it comes to VTT. So, <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. I think it's, yeah, I guess, too, though, I'm one of those people in a lot of ways, and I've come around on it some, but I've always kind of had a little bit of a, a hang-up on monthly fees for what do you want to say intangible things like if i you know i used to you know i used to get physical magazines in the mail when i was younger well you pay a subscription you pay so much a month to get the magazine you pay so much a month month for your cable or your streaming service streaming you know i don't know it's it's not the same the one that gets me now is the subscription-based software models it's like look oh god you know, that that's a, a hang-up for me. But, like, I was even resistant to subscription-based gaming models for quite a while. Just because it's like... But at the same point, you know, that's been a thing for, what, 15 to 20 years now? Yeah. And how different is that from, from pay-to-play RPGs? Other than the dedicated time slot factor. You know, just in, in principle.
0: I don't know. I guess not too far off in principle, but I don't know.
1: I just... Look, I'm i just throwing it out there. You know, like I, I think we're in agreement that it's it's not our thing, but yeah, it is definitely a trend. You know, I see it on on a couple of different servers that I'm on on discords or, you know, whatnot. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't guess know.
0: I, I, I don't know if this is a this is a us being an old old Ben thing.
1: <laughs> well, I am. And you just act like one.
0: <laughs> I just play one on television. <laughs> no, I feel like once. Look, all right, listen. I feel like one a lot of days.
1: <laughs> I feel oh, like it only gets worse.
0: Oh, I know. I wake up and I get up at the ass crack of dawn. I go out and I check on my chickens and I water my garden and I cut the grass. Like, I feel like I'm like turning into my grandfather.
1: Do you yell at the kids to get off your lawn yet?
0: I, you know, I almost did the other day. There was a, <laughs> there was a kid on a dirt bike and parked in the middle of my yard and I was almost going to yell at him. I was like, wait, let him. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was waiting for his friend, but he like pulled off the road onto my yard and I was like, hey, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. So that was an interesting discussion. I, I'm not sure how we go back to GM being a player too, because at this point that's a clear delineation, you know, are you getting paid or are you paying?
0: Yes. I think the thing of it is, is that if you're not paying for your GM to be a player, if you're not paying them money, you have some rights, but you don't have a lot of rights. I shouldn't say a lot of rights. I should say you have rights to Say what you feel comfortable with as far as content wise, what you're what you're willing to deal with and what you expect out of a campaign. You also have the right to walk away from a campaign, but simultaneously you don't have say in if the GM wants to like if it's part of the Okay, obviously don't do racist, sexist things. That's pretty blatant to say. Yeah. Uh, But if the GM says this is. This is a a mostly human world where other non-human races are very rare. I don't think that that's unreasonable for Mm -hmm. you to go, hey, everybody make human characters. I want to tell this kind of story. I don't think it's unreasonable to say if somebody sits down at your table and shows you their character sheet and they are min-maxed beyond min-maxed to look at the character sheet and go, hey... Can you add some flaws to your character? Mm -hmm. I don't think any of that's unreasonable just because that's a GM, a not wanting to have an overpowered character is not a bad thing, but to sit there and and be upset that to sit there and be upset as a player that the GM has asked you to tone back your character a little bit. Maybe that's not the table for you at that point. And you can get up and leave at any.
1: point. Well, I think, when when the idea of paying to play comes in into the equation it does change the dynamic of the social contract right you know at that point and 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 i think it's still even a little different than if like you know where we mentioned where you, the game shop is is paying the person and, and the players are paying the game shop yeah it it it, it does become a weird customer thing but yeah, I man, that's a can of worms. It really is. Yeah,
0: it, it is. I I think that, like I said, I I made my piece about taking that away. But if you are playing, if you are paying the GM at that point, you need an actual social contract.
1: You almost yeah. You 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 almost yeah. You really do in a lot of ways because
0: at at, at the point at which you're paying a GM, you need to get the GM should reasonably get on paper what they expect of their players
1: mm-hmm. and conversely what the players can expect from and them what,
0: exactly and so you know before sitting down at that table i'm paying my five bucks and i'm expecting to get this and i'm expecting to re- i'm expecting to have this you know what i mean style mm-hmm. of game and it's clear and it's concise and it's laid out and that's not always easy no, but, but if you're getting paid to GM, taking the easy way out is wrong. I elaborate on that a little bit. I'm curious where you're going. Um, if you're getting paid to GM, but you, you don't want to put the effort into actually write out a social con, a, a social contract. I think you're being, I don't know how to put it. I don't know how I want to say this. Basically you are doing something as a job at this point and not as a fun hobby. Mm-hmm. The expectation of making a social, a, a actual physical contract or listing is not on your shoulders when you're doing this just as a fun hobby that you're doing for fun, but putting the extra effort in to make sure that everything is safe and done to standard should be done when you are pay when people are paying to play in your game. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, It's the it's the difference between going to like going to a mechanic, right? Okay. you go to a mechanic because you expect the work to be done correctly, the right way.
1: In a reasonably timely manner.
0: In a reasonably timely manner versus calling your buddy. You're going to call your buddy up and ask him to do the work because, hey, I need brakes thrown on. I just need them done. I don't have the time to do it. Can you do that? And you sort of. Skirt a lot of that expectation because your friend's doing it maybe for free or whatever, however, you know, whatever your agreement with them is. Yeah. Like you're not paying garage prices because a buddy of yours is doing it. So you're not expecting garage quality work to be done. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's the same idea as what I'm driving at with the if you're paying to play the game, you should be expecting. I would expect if I was paying to play in a GM game, I would expect a relatively high quality with a lot of effort and time and energy put into the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think,
1: I think I would too. I think I would have, if I were paying to play the game, I would have a higher expectation.
0: Right. Versus, you know, we sit down at the table and, and screw around for a couple hours We end up walking away, having a good time, but I wouldn't expect anybody to pay me for what I do on a normal Wednesday night.
1: Yeah, no. And well, I think that's where, yeah, you know, the the idea of the GM as a player, I think that, you know, in, in the style that, that we're playing in our Wednesday night games or whatever, yeah, we very much are. We're just having fun together. And in that context, I think it is important that the GM feels like a player in some context, because look, you know, unless you're someone who is an extreme empath and your enjoyment is solely in feeding off the enjoyment that others are having, which I don't know, I'm not going to make any statements about mental health because I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, you know, I think at that point, you know, you're, if you're running that game, you need to have some fun of your own as well. And, For me, anyway, that's not at the expense
0: of my players. That's alongside them.
1: Yes, that's that's you know, do they do they see the the thing that I put in the 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 room for them to do something weird with? Or if I say yes to this weird question, what the hell kind of fun stuff are they going to do with it? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like that's that for me is is the enjoyment, and that's me. You know. So to speak playing is is seeing the creativity of of other people and and kind of that interplay of well, if I do this, what do they do, which is actually the much the same way I play a game except that I'm controlling a world as opposed to a character
0: very much so <laughs> i i i think yeah i i i I can't really say it much better than that. I think that. The idea of a play as a GM as a player is, is along the lines of the GM needs to have fun as well. And what fun means to play the game is not necessarily to put the effort and the time. And, you know, I, I think that's part of this, the thing that scares people away from GMing
2: mm-hmm. is
0: they think that I, I wonder if sometimes, and I know I've talked to people about this before, and they're like, oh, I could never GM. Like yeah, you probably could. It's it's really not as hard as you think it is. the The dirty secret of GMing is, like I said, it's really not as hard as you think it is. A lot of GMing is just saying yes. You know, I'm gonna lick these shoes. Okay, here's what you find. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or I'm gonna go down this alleyway. All right, fine. Here's what's down the alleyway. And just. I play games and I've talked about this a lot. I run games just off the top of my head, out of nowhere because I have too many thoughts going through my mind at all times. And it takes mm-hmm. I I do put a lot of effort in, but it takes no mental capacity for me to just uh I don't know how to put it. It takes like it takes a lot of mental capacity, but it takes no effort consciously for me to role play as a gm right Mm -hmm. and that's something that i think doesn't get talked about a lot and that's role playing as a gm you hear a lot of people talk about prep 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 get ready for your sessions prep for your sessions sit down and write well i i and you do this i know you do this because i i we've talked about it before i do hardly no prep at all not i will understand as long as as long as I understand the system we're playing in and the basic rules of that system, the rules of the world we're playing in. As long as I understand all of those things, I almost don't need to prep for a session. Mm -hmm. I will start with one, two, or three sentences of of what's going to happen. I will take notes the entire time I'm running a session, but I'll never write notes between sessions. So I will, when I name characters, right, like if I name a character Bob Johnson, I'm writing down Bob Johnson, chief of police. That goes in my notes. Now I have that next time when I go to talk about, oh, you guys talked to uh, Bob Johnson last week. Right. It's it's right there. That's the only thing I'm like, I'll take little notes like that. I'm relying a lot more on my players, understanding of the world. I'll give the descriptions. I give the the story, I give the characters, but I let my players build the world as they see fit. Um I was running D&D for a new player one time and they'd never played D&D before. And we were talking about, you know, you guys are walking down a path, you're entering into a town, there's these big gates, town's guard, and the player is asking me about the architecture of the town. Mm-hmm. What what you know, what kind of houses are they? What kind of you know what kind of road are we walking on, and those are all things that even had I sit down, wrote out the entire scripted event that would have been them entering that town, I would have never put the thought into what the buildings actually really look like. Mm-hmm. I would have just put it's town, it's this shape you know you enter in on cobblestone streets, and there's towns guard everywhere people are sort of scattered and scared, right? I never would have put the effort into what's wooden wooden buildings with thatch roofs and the cobblestone is yellow because that's, you know, sort of matches the stonework around. And like, I never would have put the effort into that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that can scare, what scares people away from GMing is they feel like sometimes, and I've heard this, they feel like sometimes they have to put all this work into a campaign before they can run it. Yes and no. <laughs> yes, you do need to put work into a campaign before you can run it. No, you don't need to put a lot. You just need to have the core of what you want and an understanding of your world.
1: Yeah, I think, and, and it, there, I'm very much with you, but I don't think that it's necessarily doing it wrong to build in all those little details and have that fleshed out ahead of time
0: no if that's how your brain works that's great but yeah if that's not and i know for me personally and i know if i'm if me and you are this way we can't be the only ones that are this way <laughs> that a younger me would have been super turned off by games if i would have gotten the advice that older me has heard especially to new gms if younger me would have heard the advice of, of a lot of people saying, well, you got to make sure that you put the effort in and you got to make sure that you take the time to flush out your setting and make sure that everything is is spick and span before your players start playing. I think that would have turned me off in a big, bad way.
1: Yeah, well, I think here's the thing that I kind of, and I was thinking about this earlier today, is that for me, when I, go to sit down and start working on a world, which I've done numerous times and then discarded and whatever, you know, but like I try to think about it in the context of how is the world lived in? Because that's going to affect, you know, where things are, what towns do, you know what I mean? Like if you have a city in your world and it doesn't really matter necessarily whether it's, you know, fantasy, science fiction, whatever, maybe a little less with science fiction, but, you know, is it a trade city? Is it a manufacturing city? Is it a, you know what I mean? And and that's going to affect some things, especially in a fantasy setting. If it's a trade city, that means it's got to be, or it, it is going to be on some sort of crossroads or it's going to be a significant port city because that's how you get trade in that type of world, unless you have some sort of weird, system of portals and so forth which is all cool and whatever but that's you know that's just the logistics of how things are and as long as you have that idea in your head then you can go well okay so you know this city is is my trade city so there's probably either a manufacturing district or a sister city fairly close that maybe does a lot of manufacturing you see that a lot in in the real world right where you've got one city that's largely industrial and another city fairly close it's more of a
0: manufacturing.
1: Or, or, well, yeah, one's manufacturing, one's trade. Right. Or, you know, commerce.
0: And vice versa.
1: Yeah. But, you know, think about, you know, that. Think about, well, how far are towns apart? Well,
0: that depends on how your system of travel works.
1: Yeah. But if you think of it in the context of, again, how is the world lived in, that's going to affect, you know, like you said, your system of travel is going to affect how far apart are people going to stop and make the next city? Mm-hmm. And also, if you're going to have a gathering of people, they need to have water, they need to have food. So you're not likely going to build a city just on the sand dune in the middle of the desert because who the hell wants to live there?
0: Right. <laughs> well, that's the thing I always try to do with D&D, and I understand why you want your players to travel long distances, sometimes between places. But if I sent them from one city to another, as long as it was the next, next city or next town over, it was usually the travel distance between places was usually only one day. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, and I'm just saying this realistically, in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, 90% of travel in Dungeons & Dragons is on foot. If that's the case, nobody is walking more than one day worth to get to the next town.
1: That, or you're going to have, not necessarily officially designated, but reused campsites right? At roughly that interval.
0: Right. You're only traveling about a day before you have to, well, you're only traveling exactly one day before you have to stop, because we've established that nighttime is dangerous. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a world without electronic lamps, so it's, you know, torches and if you've ever tried to move by torchlight, it's kind of terrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so if you keep that kind of stuff, at least for me, if I keep that kind of stuff in mind, I don't have to know details. I can just go, well, okay, so this is this, which means that's probably that, or at the very least, it's not the same thing. So it's going to be one of these three other things.
0: Well, and I think another thing is, and this is something that sort of happens with people. New GMs are oftentimes, and I don't want to sound I don't want this to sound rude, but it's probably gonna come across like me poo-pooing the system. A lot of times new GMs are pushed towards playing Dungeons and Dragons, which everybody's pushed towards playing Dungeons and Dragons most of the time. But I feel that you're best GMing in a setting that you understand strongly. Oh and not everybody grasps or has a solid understanding of fantasy. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes something like Mutant City Blues or Cyberpunk or Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, Twilight 2000, games that are not necessarily set in a setting that is outside of the normal realm. Mm-hmm. Right? So near modern or postmodern settings often help players, help GMs understand how to GM better. Because like in our, our Delta, or no, in our Mutant City Blues game, you would ask me a question. It's set 10 years into the future. That's not that far into the future <laughs> that it's not unrealistic to believe that, yeah, okay, system of government still works the same way, that cities still laid out pretty much the same way. You know, there's, there's things that it's not unrealistic to just go, look, it's, it's just like today, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got a solid frame of reference.
0: Right. And I don't think that's a bad place. If that's what, if you don't have a solid frame of reference or understanding of fantasy settings, maybe don't play a fantasy game or play a fantasy game set in a near modern setting.
1: Well, you know, you could always do the, and I, I know it's been done a lot. I just can't think of any examples, but a, what do you want to say? Modern setting that has reverted to fantasy, you know, where the tech doesn't work for whatever reason, kind of a post-apocalypse thing where it's, it's gone back to a pseudo fantasy type thing. Warpland. Warpland. Um, you know, even, even Rifts is really
0: set up that way. Rifts. I mean, Savage Rifts exists now and it's good. Um, There's a lot of things that you could do in a, you know, weird West or just, there's a lot of things you could do in a, in a fantasy setting that don't have to necessarily be, um, look at fragged, uh, fragged empire.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just taking that logical extension of, of what is. Yeah. And that's going to vary from person to person.
0: Yeah. And, and again, it's just finding what works for you. Mm -hmm. because again like i said i i i can do fantasy i've done it a lot it's not necessarily my genre but i can do it because i've been around and consumed enough of that media that yeah sure i can roll something off the top of my head Mm -hmm. but is it gonna be what i do best maybe not maybe not maybe you know i i i feel closer to you know near-modern stuff or even cyberpunk stuff, I have a better grasp and understanding of how to tell a story like that. It's hard to tell a procedural police story in a fantasy setting.
1: <laughs> it's a lot tougher, yeah. Although with with some of the stuff you could find with magics, maybe not.
0: Yeah, I, there's ways to do it. But it's just a matter of find what fits you. And then from there, if you're a GM and say you're Say your your specialty is that you're really good with urban fantasy, which is like a near you know a near modern fantasy style. Mm-hmm. Finding players is not that hard. I, I honestly, if you have friends that are remotely interested in role playing or at least Dungeons and Dragons, sitting them down and going, "Look, I don't have Dungeons and Dragons, but I have the Dresden Files RPG, and we could play an urban fantasy and." as long as they can understand what the world is, I don't think you're going to have a hard time convincing them to play something.
1: No, I think you're right.
0: Unless they have absolutely their heart set on learning and, and only play in Dungeons & Dragons, I don't think you're going to have a hard time convincing people to try something new.
1: No, probably not. And and I think you know that's part of our thing, right? Just be willing to try those things. Look, I urban fantasy is not particularly my thing, but I'd happily play it don't expect me to particularly run it but i'd play it
0: yeah i i i want to get an urban fantasy game going at some point in the near future because that is kind of one of my things that i'm really into Mm -hmm. no but it's just it's just a matter of find what works for you getting the players and making sure you're having fun too because as the gm it's oftentimes so many times that us as GMs just take a backseat to some stuff and are like, yeah, I don't really enjoy this, but I'm running it because my friends are having fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that comes to two. You have to learn how to make it fun for yourself.
0: Yeah. What do you want to do? What what wild, crazy thing do you want to try and do with this story? Mm-hmm. And if you do it, if you go ahead and start throwing wild, crazy things in there, I think your players are going to latch onto them and have fun with that, too. Because mm-hmm. the minute you start having fun with your players is a completely different game than just doing a schlog through whatever. Yeah. And that was a lot of words, and that was very deep. Yeah, not bad for off-the-cuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say I think it's time for Game of the Week. Game of the Week!
2: Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week!
0: All right. You go first. You get to go, go
1: first, first this week. I get to go for it. All right. Well, I picked out a game for Game of the Week this week, Steve. Oh, did you?
0: Yes, I did. I sure hope you would. <laughs> that makes Game of the Week awkward when you don't pick out a game.
1: <laughs> Man, we're going to play tiddlywinks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope. This week, uh, my Game of the Week is going to be the Terminator RPG.
0: Oh, it came out.
1: Yeah, yeah. It came out from Nightfall Games, which are the people who brought us Slay Industries, which you've heard us talk about before. Um, I drove, I drove and I uh, was looking at the listing on Drive DriveThru, and um, I knew that Andrew Gaska had worked on Terminator. I had not realized he is apparently credited as the lead writer. Mm. Now, if you're not familiar with Andrew Gaska, his biggest RPG credit is being the lead writer on Alien from Free League, which has drawn rave reviews from pretty much everyone I've heard any, say anything about it you know, so this is a guy who's got a lot of experience writing games based on IP. Uh, He has worked in IP related stuff for years as, you know, a consultant for film franchises, all sorts of stuff. But the Terminator RPG is, you know, it's an officially licensed thing. It's based on the original, the Terminator movie and the associated graphic novels from Dark Horse Comics. So, you know, it, it is, and I'm sure this had to do with their licensing deal, whatever, but it is kind of fairly narrowly focused, but, you know, it's, it is, it's the eighties and future war, you know, it's, you know, I mean, it's saying, you know, they've got all the main characters, you know, Sarah Connor, Kyle Reese, the T eight hundred.
0: Yeah. I want to play this. I, I, I want to play this really bad because I want to know, I want to know for myself what this game looks like.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about how their dice mechanic works. Because it's a little bit, it's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, okay, that's one thing. But I want to know, how do I put this? Terminator is kind of a, you could, hmm. Uh, huh. I could see you being
1: more curious about it from the kind of cinema standpoint. So I, I, I
0: don't want to tell you a lot because I think I might have a game here.
1: <laughs> well, I, there is a free quick start or pay what you want quick start. OK, I just want to take it for a test drive. I don't know exactly what all it includes um, right now. The PDF, as we're speaking, is looks to be on sale for about 20 bucks. Normally it's 25. But there's also a bundle which it's included in that comes with not only that, two par- two parts of the quick start. The director's pack booklet and a campaign book, which is thirty three dollars. Normally okay. 44 and change.
0: All right. Let me I'm going to put the gauntlet out live on air. Uh If you're interested in playing a Terminator RPG run by yours truly, please, and this is how you do it, direct message me on Discord and say, I'm in, and you will be added to a channel that we can discuss when, where, and how.
1: I would like to claim... At least a tentative spot. in. This. Well, no, no, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> you are. And, and if you're confused about which one of us, just come on our discord and tag at other Steve. And it'll well, be both of us.
0: Yeah. You could message either one of us and you'll get an answer. Like, listen, both of us have the authority to add people to channels. This is true. Don't worry. <laughs> um, But yeah, I'm throwing the gauntlet down on air because I'm, I'm running this. I, I I'm getting my hands on this and running it as soon as possible. I will have, yeah, probably by the end of the summer, we'll have a campaign of this, at, at least a one shot of this going fair. Cause I, I just had a thought cause I was going to say, I'm like, I wonder how they do that. And then no, I answered my own question, but anyways, yeah, very cool. Uh, trans, uh, transformers, no <laughs> terminator RPG, <laughs> very different, very different franchise. I gotta get a hold of some of the guys from Nightfall at some point.
1: Yeah. Like, it's gonna be fun scheduling time though, because they're in Scotland,
0: I think, is where the company's based out of. That's not a big deal. They're only like five hours ahead of us. Yeah, that's not a huge deal. I
1: think they're on GMT.
0: Yeah. I got friends that live on GMT time, so it's just a matter of coordinating. We just have to do like a really early morning thing. Anyways <laughs> um, Enough time zone
1: tomfoolery. <laughs>
0: Time zone tomfoolery is what we deal with all the time. Anyways, <laughs> I got a game. I got a game. Okay. You know, we were we were talking about the GM as a player too, right? Mm-hmm. I got a game called Oops All GMs. Okay. It's a free one page or it's a free RPG uh, turning the normal game on its head by having many GMs play with a singular player. Okay. Is this a drive through it is on drive-thru. It's called Oops All GMs. I'll send you the link if you'd like. Yeah,
1: it'll be easier to find than me. Because there's probably punctuation in it that screws with the search bar.
0: It's uh, just just in the, just the Steve's. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses the wannabe games past the pace die system, takes narrative role play, and mixes it with a push-your-luck mechanic, which could be fun. All of the GMs play as a music musical supergroup that refuses to play their next gig before the player solves all of their little problems. That's just this just looks oh stupid and fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. Doesn't it though? It really does. It looks like a game. I'll tell you who I want to play this game with. I want to play it with me and you and Hooli and Chris and Tom.
1: That would be fun. I can tell you some other people that I can think of with a little less time zoning. This would be fun with uh, Jesse and Prince of Apathy, too.
0: Yeah, those two would be. Yeah, but which one gets to be the player? Who gets to be the player at that point? (laughs) Because do we give it to Jesse or do (laughs) we give it to?
1: Wow. Yeah. Or, you know, wow, there's any number of people. Ghost, I think, would be fun in that, too.
0: Ghost would be fun. Um, oh man, not to call out people on our Discord. <laughs> Too late. Uh, zero. S- slappy. Slappy. Yeah. No, I, 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 at the same time though, I kind of want to get a bunch of guys from the D20 Network together.
1: This, you, you know what? That that actually would be.
0: Like I, I, I wouldn't mind doing like a charity live stream with a bunch of guys from the D20 Network and play this. Yeah, that would be a really cool charity live stream game. As a matter of fact, thank you. It goes in the cart, and I will be reading this this week. It's supposed <laughs> to rain tomorrow, so I'm going to do some some reading and see if we can get that coordinated because uh, St. Jude's is doing some charity stuff, so we might be able to jump on that. There you go. Plus, uh, I think, uh, what is it? Extra Life, but man, I don't want to do a 24-hour stream of this. No, I, I know St. Jude's was doing like 60 Minutes of Gaming, charity stuff, so maybe check in. I'm sure that. we
1: could find something one way or another.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, we'll make sure it goes to a good cause, at least. But that would be a good charity live stream. But yeah, that's Oops! All GMs!
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, look, if you're looking for ideas, it's literally, basically, you know, there's any number, you know, go find some reruns of uh, Behind the Music and just steal things. <laughs> <laughs> don't even you don't
0: even have to do that just oh there's a oh what is that called Ah, uh, hang it hold on give me like two seconds uh tales from the tour bus
1: okay i would not heard of that one
0: uh so it's it's animated by mike judge who did king of the hill and um some Beavis of bevis butthead uh and it is literally musicians Talking about different tales from the tour bus. Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. I think it's on Hulu. Ooh, but it, it is. I've been watching just clips and stuff. People talking about Waylon. People talking about. Uh, anytime James Brown gets brought up. Somebody does a James Brown impression. <laughs> so you have all these famous musicians. Doing James Brown <laughs> impression. Yeah that's one that, that. That would be a good influence on this. Is it on Prime? Can I watch it on Prime? No, it's on Cinemax. I'd have to rent it. Dang it. Johnny Paycheck, Jerry Lee Lewis, George Jones and Tammy Wynette, uh, Billy Joe Shaver, Waylon Jennings, uh, Blaze Foley. Yeah, those are all, that's just all people. Uh, That's season one. Season two, they're talking about George Clinton, Rick James, uh, Boosty Collins, James Brown, Morris Day in the Time, Betty Davis, and last George Clinton. Yeah, it's only got two seasons, but man, that's a cool series. That's a fun one.
1: Oh, yeah, and they haven't even gotten into the crazy hair metal rockers.
0: No, and the sad thing is is I think it's probably canceled because uh, 2017, 2018. Now, this is a rated R series. Keep that in mind, kids, but something to use for some interesting stories. I'll tell you a story that I heard from that off the air, (laughs) but yeah that's mine oops all gms
1: (laughs) all right well that sounds like a hell of a lot of fun
0: yeah with that all being said we want to thank you all for listening as always links to everything are in the show notes patreon discord twitter tiktok twitch Mm, that might be Mm -hmm. coming shortly youtube eventually i know that's the first time we're announcing this but uh we got a little bit more testing to do. So just be patient. We're not going to be live streaming probably, probably not until maybe mid June, early July. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I'm still trying to find cameras that don't break on a consistent basis. So,
0: yeah, you having camera problems? No, I was
1: making a joke about my face.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, you just got a new camera. Dang it.
1: No, I have legitimately had people try to take pictures of me and the camera broke, though. Ooh, yucks. This is a long anyways. time ago, but anyhow.
0: Yeah, with that all being said, we want to thank you for listening. Remind you to get out there and play some RPGs and be kind to one another. Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at and RPGs, Find us on Facebook at Podcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that.